Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. So today we are still in Ephesians, but we're going to be looking at chapter 4 in Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at quite a few passages today. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 16, which is pretty big. But the main concept, the main idea that Paul wants to convey uh, within these verses is about the common fellowship of the church. And I believe it is really important for us to know that. And what is that, right? Um, and especially how every single believer actually is gifted by God himself, right? The Lord Jesus uh, gives these gifts freely. We will look at that and we'll also see how the Holy Spirit ministers to each one of us accordingly and how he wants to distribute his gifts. So open up your Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 16. But let's begin. Let's begin in verse 4. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 4. And the word of God says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So yeah, I named this portion, right, this study, the common fellowship of the church. And 
there's a there's a commonality uh, within this church, any church, right? Any body of Christ, because we're all joined together. And Paul is saying that we are not called to be pew potatoes, or that's another way of saying couch potatoes, right? You you get the idea that we're not just called to go to a local church, sit down, absorb everything that is being said and taught and done, and then go home and go about your days. And then you go back to church again, whenever that is, wherever that is, and whenever that is, and uh, just to do the same thing again, but never do anything, never do anything uh, in the church to help others, but instead you're just being helped by others and not doing anything yourself. Well, According to this, according to this passage, we see that every single believer is gifted by God for the ministering of the body of believers, which is the local church. So whatever church you are plugged into, God has given you gifts to use for the advancement of the kingdom. But not only that, but also the building up the body. Right? So... Let's reread. Let's reread chapter 4. Look what it says in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And you see in verse 8, where Paul is getting that from is from the Psalms, right? Psalm 68, verse 18. Uh where we are seeing, right, what is being revealed in in the Psalms is about Christ and what is happening. He ascended on high and led a host of captives. And then what happens after that? After he ascended, he gave gifts to men, to us, to the believers. So these gifts that we are given... We see that the source of this giving of gifts is Christ, and he's the one that determines the gift of e- that each one gets, right? Not each person gets the same gift, right? There's different gifts, just as there's different body parts in a human body. Uh, and this is what Paul is doing whenever he starts speaking about the body, and, right, and, and he starts giving these metaphors and giving this... Uh, personification of the church and and saying that there is this one body and each body part functions differently but it's to aid the whole body and we are all joined together by joints and ligaments and tendons and the source that we get anything from is our head right so just imagine the brain your brain tells the rest of your body to do whatever Right. So when you have an itch on your leg, you reach down to scratch it. But the only reason why you reach down to scratch it is because your head told you, your brain told you that you are itching on your leg. And then your brain also caused your arm to move, your body to move to the left or to the right, wherever the itch is. And then your fingers, your brain causes your fingers to contract its muscles so it can scratch. Um, there's a lot that plays a part in this. So let's say uh, the nerves are not working and you have no nerves. So your leg is itching, but you don't know it. That's a broken body. But here Christ gives gifts to the measure, right? Accordingly, right? To his measure. 
and it's being fulfilled what it says in the Psalms that he ascended on high and he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And in verses 9 and 10, we are given this logic, right? So when we say that he ascended, so what he is doing, he is exegeting the book of Psalms. Because it says, when he ascended on high, who is the he? He is Christ. Christ has come from God, right? From the Father. The Father gave the Son. And it says in verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. So basically to say that he ascended is to say that he has come down once because he cannot ascend and not be the one who descended first because in order to ascend, you have to have come down. And in verse 10, it's the other way around. And then to say that he descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So this is the Lord Jesus who descended into the earth and also ascended to the right hand of the Father, took his rightful throne. Right in Matthew 28, we are given the account of the Great Commission. That's what we know it as. And he says, all authority has been given to me. It's not that he didn't have authority because many, many times uh, even demons pleaded with the Lord uh, and asked him uh, if it's already time. And, and all that the Lord Jesus told the demons was go, right? So there was there was a demon-possessed man and the demon said, uh, send us through uh, the pigs so that uh, and we will go. And then they are asking permission from Jesus for that instead of destroying them completely because they knew what is to come and what is coming. And that is the, the total destruction of all of those who have rebelled against God, right? Hell is a, is a real place and God has prepared it for the angels and, or for the demons and uh, the devil. So, we have to understand Jesus had authority. But when he says that all authority has now been given unto me, what he is saying there is that I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I am giving you a command. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Right? We know the Great Commission, but do we understand what it means whenever he says all authority has been given unto me? Because we will say, yes, we believe that all authority has been given unto him. But do we live that way? I would say let's uh, just check ourselves and remind ourselves. Uh, how much authority does Christ have? Well, he has all authority. And here we are seeing uh, that Christ is giving gifts to men. Look at what it says in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So these are gifts that are being mentioned, but this is uh, an inexhaustive uh, gifts. But these are specific gifts for what? Look at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So 
we are seeing these gifts. We are seeing that the source of these gifts come from Christ. We see that he is the one that de is determining uh, the gift each one gets. And now we are seeing here some of these gifts that are given. And these are specific gifts. Um, and these specific gifts are of leadership, the position of leadership, right? So we see the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. And the reason for these gifts is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You see, these are the ones who are in position of leadership to equip the saints, the believers, for what? For the work of ministry so that others may be able to join in. And why is that? For the building up the body of Christ. If you're taking notes or if you're just listening, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, we see that God gives uh, the believers gifts for the common good. Right for the building, building up the body. Look, look at what it says, or listen to what it says. Now, this is verse four of chapter twelve in First Corinthians. Now these, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, this is where it's given the manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who is dispensing the gifts accordingly to each person. And it says, for the common good. Verse 8, it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So we must not forget that it's coming from the same God because there's only one God. And here we are seeing that the Holy Spirit is the one who is giving these gifts accordingly. And it's the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, or you could say discernment. To another, various kinds of languages. To another, the interpretation of languages. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. If you notice, I interchange the words tongues because it says... Various kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues, that could be misleading. So the, the proper word would be languages because these are known languages in this world, this earth, right? So what Paul is uh, speaking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that the Holy Spirit is the one dispensing these gifts. And there's a, the reason for these gifts is what? For the common good, it says. In 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11, we're also getting uh, this idea as well. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 through 11. It says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly 
since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So you see how these gifts is by grace. So these are gracious gifts, right? And it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So now we are seeing that God's glory is what we should be after because that is why we are gifted. That is why God is gifting us these gifts. Right? If you look at Romans chapter 12, 3 through 8, we're getting a broad spectrum of gifts. So yeah, so Romans chapter 12, 3, 3 to 8. Listen to what it says. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith. There's again that word measure, right? The measure of the gifts. And here it says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one, in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to according. To the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness right so all of this is for god's glory and it is also to be done in love listen to what it says in verse 9 and 10 right of the same chapter chapter 12 in romans 9 and 10 it says let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor right so this is how we should be acting and paul is talking to us about how we should act in accordance to the church right the body of christ and this body is the local body whatever church you are plugged into god has given you gifts and whatever that gift is use it accordingly so that it can build up the body of christ because it's for God's glory that we're doing it. God is glorified in us doing that. But also, the purpose of it is that we may grow. So that we may be more and more like Christ. And that is the purpose. Right? Let's go back to Ephesians. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at what it says in verse 14. Well, let's reread 13. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, 
so it's to unify all of us in his faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God so that we may grow uh, into the knowledge of the Son of God who is Jesus. So we, as we are growing in knowledge of Christ, we are growing into, it says, to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that is our goal. Our goal is to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that is done by our maturement in the knowledge of the Son of God. Because that is what will give us this unity that we ought to have already. Because it's been given to us. But what's the purpose of that? What is the purpose of us growing into the knowledge of Christ? To mature manhood. To the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Well it says in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So the purpose of that is so that we may not be caught off guard by what the world says, this is good. This is what it means to be holy. This is what it means uh, to be like Christ. But instead, we grow into the knowledge of Christ through God's word. And here is so that we will not be tossed to and fro by uh, waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, it says. It also says by human cunning. So anything that sounds uh, good, it may sound good, but is it biblical? It may sound good, but is it how God intends uh, to be worshipped, to be uh, regarded as, or for us being the body of Christ to function? It says by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So again, deceitful schemes. These are schemes that are deceiving, thinking that we are doing right, doing good. But instead, we are being deceited into doing exactly what God says don't do. But how will we, how will we know if we have no knowledge of the Son of God? So the purpose of that is that we may grow into the knowledge of Him. And that is done through God's Word. So, we now see that there's not only just one gift, but there are many, because there's those broad categories, right, that, as we read in Romans. Um, so, these gifts are not talents or, uh, you could say, natural, capa natural capabilities, right? Something that you can do that you're much better in doing than the person next to you. No, uh, this gift that is being mentioned here, the gifts that are given, right, the gifts of grace, um, is a spiritual gift that is supernatural, if you want to use that term, right? Because it is not within his natural realm. It's given by God himself, who is spirit. Um, and it's the Holy Spirit that dispenses these gifts. So, yeah, so verse 14 is pretty interesting that, the purpose of us gaining this knowledge so that we can grow to the measure of the stature, stature of the fullness of Christ is so that we will not be deceived, is so that we will not be easily thrown off course from our faith, right? One does not lose faith or uh, 
falls out of grace, but instead one uh, is being deceited, right? You can say that they have fallen into a false lie or into a lie, right? Thinking that they are doing right. So the purpose of us growing, the ministering of one another within the local body is so that we can grow more and more mature so that whenever these schemes, deceitful schemes come by, we will not be uh, tossed to and fro from the waves, right? Let's look at Jude. So flip flip to Jude. Look at what it says in verse 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what's happening within the church. People are creeping in and uh, you can call these false teachers or false prophets. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Christ or that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And then he goes on to say, little children, you are not, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And then he also goes on, to show the love of God, right? Beloved, it says in verse 7 in 1 John chapter 4, Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this love, not that we have loved God, but he, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Again, here is a call to loving one another within the body. And it says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So the purpose of this is that we may understand the love of God and how important God's love is, right? Go back to Ephesians chapter 4, because we have to get this, right? Look at what it says in verse 15. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? In love, it says. So verse 15 says that our purpose in using these gifts given to us who believe is that we may speak the truth in love to correct the false teachings, to correct the deceitful schemes and to catch it, right? Before it starts making itself more manifest within the church because it destroys the body, right? There's diseases. And what we have to do is catch the disease before it spreads. And the only way we can do that is by having a discerning spirit. Because remember what it says? That we can know um, the deceitful spirit is by their perversion of the grace of God. We also see that it is done by perverting that grace of God into sensuality. And also they deny the master and Lord Jesus Christ. So again, they deny the teachings of Christ. They deny everything of Christ and who is Christ, who is Jesus. But instead, we are called to love one another and grow into each other so that we may grow into this unity, right? It may be found so that we may measure up to that stature of Christ, right? This sanctification that is happening within us, right? I want to end on this. Look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 because all of this joins together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to what it says. I'm going to read the whole chapter because this is important. Because we can use our gifts, but if it's done and used wrongly, there's uh, consequences. Look at what it says here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but, not, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains and not have love, I am nothing. He says. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So basically what Paul is saying here, right? He is saying that even if he is able to speak every single language in the world, every single language that exists, but doesn't have love, then he's just being a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So just imagine uh, just a loud, loud gong just hitting and banging and banging and banging. How annoying that is and unbearable it is. Cymbals crashing, 
and just continually crashing and crashing and crashing, you'll want them to stop. You'll want them to shut up. And that's the idea I hear. If that there is no love, you're just being a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he goes on to say, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge and I have all faith as to remove mountains. So if he has this ability to do all these things, and then it says, but have not love, I am nothing. So again, love is vital uh, to the ministering of the body because everything is pointless if you have not love. It says, if I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing, it says. And then let's look at what it continues to say. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And then he continues on saying, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, that we may be able to speak in such a way that whenever we read God's word, it comes alive. It is alive. Because that is one way pastors prophecy in the pulpit is by reading aloud God's word. Because God's word is alive and active. It says in Hebrews, and sharper than any two-edged sword. So for us to grow into the knowledge of Christ, we are to grow into the knowledge of the scriptures. Because God has revealed himself in his word. And that's what we ought to do because the purpose of that is that we may grow into the knowledge of him and that we may build each other up. So use the gifts, figure out your gifts and use it accordingly so that God may be glorified and also that the body of Christ may grow. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. (laughs) 